This week, we welcome Melissa Bishoping, Director of Endpoint Security Research at Tanium, to discuss you do security, you do not have security. In the Leadership and Communications section, CISO, the Board, and Cybersecurity, how CISOs can work with the CFO to get the best security budget, bundling effective and skilled teams through networking, connectivity, and communication, and more. Business Security Weekly starts now. This is Security Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where we explore the business of security to improve the security of business. Your trusted source for actionable insights on leadership, communication, and innovation. Get ready for Business Security Weekly. LimeCast has released its State of Ransomware Readiness Report for 2022, finding that most cybersecurity leaders experienced the same or increasing numbers of ransomware attacks over last year. Together with MimeCast, organizations can stand strong in the face of cyber attacks, human error, technical failure, and work protected. MimeCast, work protected. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash MimeCast to learn more. Application Security Weekly delivers interviews and news from the worlds of AppSec, DevOps, and all the other ways people find and fix software flaws. Join us as we explore how the latest news highlights modern security practices or reminds us of the missing ones. We also bring insights from interviews on topics from training to threat modeling, from open source tools to cloud native techniques, plus an occasional reference from new wave to synth wave. Find us at securityweekly.com slash subscribe or look for Application Security Weekly wherever you pick your podcasts. Welcome to Business Security Weekly. This is episode number 299, recorded March 27th, 2023. I am your host, Matt Alderman. Yes, I'm in the new place. We'll see how the setup stays. Uh, Joining remotely are my co-hosts this week. First up, welcome back, Mr. Tyler Robinson. How is Texas? Beautiful, man. Good weather there. I wish I could just uh, be there for about three months out of Now you know why I live here. Also joining this week, Jason's out sick, is Mr. Josh Marpet. Welcome, Josh. Thank you. Thank you. Always happy to be here. Enjoy this show very much. Thank you. I love when you fill in because you always bring great insights, Josh. Security Weekly listeners, Identiverse 2023 is heading to Vegas. Join the digital identity community at the Aria Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, May 30th to June 2nd. Identiverse is a must-attend annual event that brings over 2,500 security professionals for four days of world-class learning, engagement, and entertainment. As a community member, you're able to receive 20% off your Identiverse 2023 tickets using code IDV23 dash sw20 register today at securityweekly.com forward slash identiverse 2023 this segment is sponsored by tanium to learn more please visit securityweekly.com forward slash tanium Melissa Bishoping is a passionate security evangelist whose academic and professional background in human psychology and technology aligned to educate, advocate, and remediate the difficult security problems faced by businesses and individuals. She currently works as an endpoint security researcher at Tanium, where she analyzes emerging threats, zero days, and CVEs to provide subject matter expertise for internal and external customers. 
Prior to Tanium, she held positions in operations and security across the hospitality, casino gaming, and industrial manufacturing industries. Melissa, welcome to Business Security Weekly. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We're happy to have you. So as we were preparing for this uh, presentation, it was it was this concept of security is a verb, uh, which was so intriguing to me because we talk about security as things, like nouns, like technology and people. But you actually were like, no, 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 security is something we do. It's not something we have, um, which creates a very interesting kind of problem statement for security. If it's a verb and not a noun, like, are, have we been defining security and the problem around security wrong from the beginning? It's a great point. I think that security is so often referred to as a noun because that makes it an easy thing to look at from sort of an end goal or a measurement perspective. Uh, it's a lot harder when you start talking about security as culture. Security is something that your employees across multiple departments are living and breathing every day. Uh, it's harder to measure. It's harder to train. Uh, and I think sometimes we, we deviate back towards let's go for the, the KPIs we can measure quickly and easily and report onto the board. And that maybe gets lost from, should, should we be building this as a culture and are we building it correctly? Security is a journey. Absolutely. It's, it's something that you do. No, you, you can start that security journey no matter where you are uh, in your maturity path. If you're just starting out, maybe it's your first 100 days as a security leader, you don't know the, the, the you know, lay of the land yet, or maybe you're five years into a roadmap and you're looking, you know, you've, you've gotten your quick wins out of the way. You're now looking for how you can sort of level up the maturity of the organization. It's an ongoing iterative process that's highly customizable to the organization and the teams themselves. And just because the, the, the metrics are harder doesn't mean that you can't measure them still using this as a verb and having that continued journey. And in fact, I, I, I think it actually makes it better because it makes it a, a quantitative like you said, journey, you've got that roadmap of continually evaluating. And that may be a positive and minus when everybody thinks of that security journey. They think of, you know, we're always just moving to or towards a more secure uh, position or maturity level. That's not always the case. Sometimes you have to adopt and move to multi-cloud. Sometimes you have to uh, leverage a new SaaS vendor. All those things contribute to this journey and this culture. So being able to quantify that risk and evaluate that as a business, I think, like you said, it, it's not always uh measured because it's it's not the easy thing but that doesn't mean it can't be measured right i agree i i think that you know oftentimes we see people come in and say i want to reduce the number of cves in my environment over a certain you know cvss score and that's my measure of security and i i push back and challenge that sometimes because i said okay but have you sat down and actually looked at your attack service have you talked to your business users and understood how they're using the data in the software that those CVEs are present in, there may be optimizations and improvements in security that you're not even aware of if you're only measuring it by something of like, oh, we're, we've got to reduce CVE counts for the board this quarter. So I want to I dig into that. That's something fascinating to me. I've been working on risk quantification for a while now. And I think that you, the, the simple act, and it's not simple, but I'm, I'm characterizing it for a minute. The simple act of changing security from a noun to a verb changes how you measure security. And it changes how you measure the risks, the threats, the vulnerabilities, the, 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 the solutions, uh, and, and the overall residual risk, or whatever you want to call it anyway, these days. 
And, and, and it also goes back to something that Tyler said, quantitative versus qualitative. With security as a verb, how do we measure it effectively and appropriately in ways that help us quantitatively show the board that we're doing something proper and correct and, sh in, in, uh, and, and shore up the confidence in a qualitative fashion in our, in our workers, our staff, our management? That was a really weird question. I apologize. <laughs> It's okay. I want to touch first on kind of what you said in the beginning of it, it's it's we're, it's a simple question, but it's a hard concept. I often say that doing this kind of stuff, it's really easy to explain if you're just trying to come up with a, a quick overview, but it's really hard to put this into practice. I think one of the most empowering pieces of treating security as an active part of, of culture and security as a thing that you do is that you get to redefine those KPIs to be highly customized to your business. You know, what, what security roadmaps look like for you should not be necessarily defined by some, you know, the standards and the frameworks are great, but you need to be translating that into your business unit and how they are using data, how they're using technology, and how that aligns to the capabilities of your staff, the budget for this year, you know, really dive in and build KPIs that work for you, which gives you better objectives to work towards. I think, I think to not do that actually sort of sets you up for failure. You're setting yourself up against this arbitrary set of goals and risk metrics that are not one size fits all. Risk is not one size fits all. Of course, of course, of course. But, you know, the problem is, is that I've got to be able to, to determine the risk uh, cross industry, cross, cross uh, enterprise. So I've got to be able to do an apples to apples comparison of the risk from company to company. I've got to from department to department, from, 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 from vertical to vertical. And I've got to be able to do, uh, but you're right, the risk for company X that manufactures widgets and the risk for company Y that consults is a very different set of risks. So can I measure them concurrently apples to apples? Am I doomed to not be able to? Uh, you know, and then there's, again, we go back to the quantitative versus qualitative. And, but you're, don't get me wrong, you're, you're ans I love your answers, they're great. Please keep going. You know, I think uh, if we're looking at wanting to do industry to industry comparisons or what is what is my competitor benchmarking at? What am I right. benchmarking at? I think there are metrics that you can you can tie into and that can look at things like, you know, reducing scope creep of permissions that can look at things like uh, reducing your mean time to patch or reducing your mean time to detect. Uh, you can you can come up with metrics that work, I think, across okay. industries that are okay. generally indicators of health even if that's not necessarily the same indicators that you would use to drive your personal roadmap and, and strategy decisions. I like your, they're indicators of health, but are the indicators of the risk in the business, how far the security has come to reduce the risk or, or things like that. And also, by the way, there's another concept, which is continuous monitoring, because these days we're doing, uh, we're, in risk quantification, we're where we were, I don't know, Tyler, 10 years ago with point in time pen tests. Yeah, maybe. Okay. <laughs> Is it 10 years, like five years, 10 years, 20 years? I don't know. But, you know, before we came up with the idea, even any way of doing continuous pen testing or any type of like significant red teaming, you know what I mean? Um, That's one of those topics though that I've brought up before of if you're only looking at a measure in time or a point in time measurement of something like risk, be that, hey, here's the vulnerability scan from last week or here's the pen test from last quarter or last year. Every time a new device enters your network, every time a new CVE is, is announced, you know, in the wild, every time a new USB is plugged in, your risk profile has changed Bingo. and risk should be treated as like a dynamic. I mean, it's it's just like 
the weather outside could be hot and rainy and it could change in, you know, five minutes and be snowing. Like, you know, it's risk is ephemeral. Risk is not something that is static. And if you're basing your strategy and decisions off of like those single moment in time when everybody's gotten everything like all hygiened up and ready for an audit, you're missing so much and you're not making it a culture. You're making it a thing you do at a moment in time. I, I think you take she's that awesome, in. Matt. Bring her back. <laughs> <laughs> I think you take that a step further though, right? Like you, you're spot on there, but even with inside of security and, and even really good security culture, we still silo ourselves as security folks. We still think of things in, oh in a horizontal pattern when we're looking at this from a, a 3d chess standpoint, we really have to evaluate. Okay. So, what if we increase their business risk because we need to adopt a technology because the business requires this or needs this in order to conduct better business, which then allows our users better flow, which builds better morales, which then helps us secure. Like We really have to dynamically evaluate business and the business integration with security and stop looking at this as a linear problem with inside of security in its own vertical, like outside of just industry verticals. We also have a security vertical that, that we blindside ourselves to. You're hitting on one of my absolute favorite topics, and it's something that I am an advocate for industry-wide. Some of the best opportunities I've had to improve security posture or IT operations posture in my career have been because I struck up a conversation with someone from a different department who told me about like that random insecure FTP upload they were using that they had to do for this contractor. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold up. Didn't you know that this other department already has a tool to facilitate this kind of data transfer? Like, let's just tap you into that. And then we've consolidated some licensing. We've gotten some undocumented stuff out of the network. It all starts, though, with like, have a conversation. And if you're if you're a security leader, you should be having conversations with the leaders of other departments. And I, I talk a lot about sort of building your guerrilla marketing team of managers and directors who can sort of be the the eyes on the ground of how your security initiatives are affecting the workflow. But they can also say, hey, we're, we're really struggling with this. Can you help us out? Can you hook us up? You know, and if you're an engineer, like spend some time, even though everybody likes to sort of make the jokes about, oh, end users, but like really your end users are plugged into the business. They know the pulse and, and how the data moves. They know what they need to get done. And quite frankly, at the end of the day, if security stops the business from making money, security becomes the enemy. When you shift the conversation to making friends and learning about their workflow, because people love to talk about what they do, and they will tell you, you have all these opportunities to improve. Yeah, but here's the thing. You know, when, when, when security and the sexy security was, let me go break stuff. I'm going to go break something. you know, And that's all anybody wanted to do. But in reality, good security is understand the business, okay? Exactly. Yeah, breaking something is fantastically useful. When I call Tyler and go, I don't think that's set up right. Can you break it? He goes, give me 10 minutes, okay? And he breaks it in 10 minutes. I mean, normally it takes him 12. He's always a little slow. Just busting on you, man. But like, <laughs> like when, he, when, he, when he breaks it, I can then use that to say, hey, guys, this is set up wrong and this is why and let's talk about it. And let's make it better. Okay? That's incredibly useful. Don't get me wrong. I'm not dissing pen testing. But real security is understanding the business, having an inventory of what's going on, having an inventory of the information, an inventory of your assets, and then working with the business to figure out how to make things more efficient, more contained, and better. Well, you, you can't you can't do anything with that evaluation, that analysis, that point in time, even even continuous, without relationships. 
right? Like, let's get down to the, to the nuts and bolts without establishing relationships between organizations so that you can have a cooperation to get things done, to know the problems, to figure out the business and, and to even know what the business is. That also requires you to dynamically interact with people. Like people is where it comes down to. And this is Jason yells about this, like having those relationships pre-established prior to a problem, an error, when you need to get something fixed, like build some some political capital there and invest into the people and people will help you out. And guess what? The business runs better. Well, and I think we've, we have so long been seen as like security as the naysayer there, you know, the, the people coming in saying, no, you can't have that new toy or no, you're going to set it up my way. And I, I, I don't like to be a mean person. I'm actually really nice and friendly. So I, you know, one of the first uh, security focused roles that I had, my boss came to me after I took the position and he said, all right, what are you going to do? What are your, what are your first priorities? And my, I said, I, 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 I want to sit down and watch. I want to know what we're doing in this company. And I, I want to get my lay of the land. And I think oftentimes people come into roles and they immediately say, I'm going to reduce the CBE exposure. I'm going to roll out this new tool. I'm going to, you know, do some drastic change that ends up alienating you from the people you should be building trust and relationships with, because now you're seen as a hindrance to them getting their work done. You've introduced a speed bump when you could have actually used your position to change culture and to make them feel like they have an active voice in how to accomplish their work more securely. Does that make sense? Yeah. Melissa, so one of the things we always try to do on this show is, is, the, the crossover to the business side, right? Security. If, if you want to seat at the table, you have to understand the business, right? And so the understanding the business, communicating with the other leaders is an important part. But if we wind back to the beginning of this, where we talked about security being a verb and not a noun, and how do you measure the business? Some of the metrics we're even thinking about from a security perspective don't make sense at the business level right? It's about revenue. It's about value. It's, it's about reputation sometimes, right? And so how do we address this quantification problem, moving away from a noun to a verb, but also in a way that aligns the metrics, not only from a security metric perspective, but from a business metric perspective? Yeah, I think that from a leadership point of view, you know, you need to understand the why. You need to know why your company is in business and what they care about. Because if you walk into the board and you say, here's all these great security metrics, their first question to you is, why do I care? How did this help us achieve our objectives as a company? Not how did that help you achieve your security goals? So there's an art, I think, to translating that to saying, okay, well, if we reduce the amount of time that our engineers had to spend remediating vulnerabilities because we automated our patching to 99%, that converts to a cost savings, which then converted to freeing up headcount hours to go spend on this new initiative that's part of a strategic partnership. And you can start making those parallels. And that's how you win over the board. That's how you get someone who's like, hey, I know this director or or this CISO, this person gets results that I care about versus just throwing up a slide deck of some technical mumbo jumbo and moving on with the day. Convert it to something they care about. Learn Learn what keeps them awake at night learn what gets them excited, and align it to their objectives. Matt, how many times over the course of this show have the best people and guests on the show gone, learn how to communicate with the board, and you'll do better as a security leader? And I want to to be clear on that. Even if your job is not to talk to the board, 
learn how to communicate in their language, because I guarantee you, even if you're not communicating with them, your boss's bosses or your bosses. Right. You're that translation layer or should be that translation layer from the security technical aspects to the business so that even if you're not presenting to the board, at least you're educating whoever is reporting to the board to be able to have those conversations in the right way. And we talk about it a lot. It's just I don't think many people have actually implemented it. And it changes the way we also think about risk quantification. You know, Josh, you were talking about it. You've been spending a lot of time thinking about risk quantification. I live it and breathe it every single day, right? But to get to full-blown risk quantification is not easy. Like what I do at Living Security is a subset of risk, right? And there's all these other pieces. And when we think about developing a risk quantification platform, we have to think about all the integrations and all the data elements we need to actually pull that together. That is not just something you just snap your fingers and do overnight. This is a long, long journey. To, to make it, to, to, to illustrate that, I don't think anybody has got a very good, ongoing, continuous security quantification program. Okay? You can do aspects of it. But if you can tell me any single company that can do endpoint, that can do network, that can do reputation, that can do, you know, there's, there's a dozen different aspects of security. And there's companies that do one, two, five, twelve, you know, eight of them, whatever, beautifully. I don't know anybody that does all of them beautifully, okay? So we don't have a single security quantification program that's continuous, monitoring, ongoing, dynamic, et cetera. Now tell me how you can make those incredibly nebulous risks because I made one change with five lines of code that I committed three hours ago because I, I changed the version of the FTP server. Okay, I'm using FTP right there, you're screwed. But I mean, because I, 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 I updated our, our VPN concentrator or whatever. You, you How are those things? application for marketing department because they needed a tool. Right. Well, I think the foundational problem that you run into though, right, is, is so much of those changes are happening in a vacuum. Either they're shadow IT or they're happening in a, you know, like, Step one to being able to build that cohesive, real-time, overarching security program is you have to have the visibility. And visibility is the thing that I think so many, so many people want to rush straight into. I want to be, I want to do threat hunting. I want to do like, let, let's get a pen test in here. Why are you doing that stuff if you haven't actually inventoried where the data lives? You know, where, where <laughs> like I think that's that is the number one. And it's not. It's not the super sexy part of security that everybody gets really excited about, like asset management. People look at me and they're like, you're supposed to be into security stuff. Like, what are you talking about? Asset? That is security. That and it is gets security. me really excited when I see, when I can when I can look out and see, I know where my data lives. I know where it's going. I know who's on my network at any given moment in time. If there is a, a new threat in the wild, I should not have to like panic that my boss is going to ask me where it is. I should be like, oh, by the way, we've already done a report. Here's our remediation in progress. Here's a here's a dashboard you can track it on. That's that is Zen. Let me let me <laughs> like, let me let me, let me tell you something. When Tyler comes to you with a report that says, hey, you upgraded this. It gave me an in. I got in. That's one thing. And that happens. When Tyler comes to you with a report that says, I had a system that you totally forgot existed and I broke in because it's 17 versions too old, and I got domain admin in seven minutes because you forgot this system even existed. 
And how often does that happen, Tyler? All, every time. Like your pen testers don't sure. like to do that kind of work. Like we'd love to do more challenging. We'd like to provide value, like doing the stuff that that you should be doing as an internal team or even having a program for like, I don't want to, I'm not your vol management program. I'm not your asset discovery program. I shouldn't be your asset discovery program. <laughs> I shouldn't be. <laughs> I shouldn't be. <laughs> but I mean, that does happen. I, I, I would take that even a step further though. I, I think a lot of our problems here can be solved again. If we circle back to, to your whole verb thing, if we come back and establish relationship, ongoing relationships, you eliminate a lot of your shadow IT. You eliminate a lot of the, Friction. If you're not the yet the no department and you provide yes and provide answers for places and build those relationships, then they're not trying to go around you. You're not having to always have all these shadow things set up or people going above you to another boss to get something set up, a SaaS application that you didn't evaluate. All these problems with a good relationship, good rapport, and building that culture because you've done a verb, that actually makes a bigger difference long term. And that's where I think that's where it all starts is with your verb. And I think that, so I, I had kind of mentioned this well idea said. of building well <laughs> building your sort of advisory panel, right? Like find your leaders from across the organization. Heck, make it something that rotates out on a, on a biannual basis so that you get fresh ideas, fresh perspectives. But if you have those people who can come in and really give you feedback, say, hey, we're looking at rolling out this new security process or this new policy. What do you think about it? How's this going to interfere with your workflow? Can you walk me through how you currently do this today? All of a sudden, people will, will say something and your ears will perk up and you'll be like, wait a second, you have what now? Like you use what software or you're sending that data where? And you, it's, it's, like, it's like they just start feeding you information and they don't realize that they're it's stuff that they wouldn't otherwise tell you because it's like, oh, I don't want security to come like, you know, get on me. But if they if they see it as part of a collaboration, they start feeding you that data proactively, giving you a chance to intervene before. It's and it's gone. trust. Built that trust. You're not you're not you're not bringing a stick. You're bringing a carrot and solutions to their problems in a more secure manner. Like maybe they don't even know that's not secure, but you've established that trust and and you do that. I mean, this is how this is how CIA handlers. <laughs> get informants and work networks and, and build, you know, long-standing communities. That's just how it works. But you doing that Melissa, trust. And Melissa, I'm a NINES faculty member, so the Institute of Applied Network Security. We, I get an Ask an Expert call. That, that was what I was doing just before this, is an Ask an Expert call. And they, they're like, oh, well, we're doing this. And I'm like, wait, does that mean you're doing this? Like, well, yeah. I'm like, oh, God, that's the problem. Let me explain. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like, we never thought of that. You know, I, I, I am on calls probably every day, okay, except, except on the weekends, where half the time I'm, I'm helping them understand the question that they're asking, and then we're answering the question, and it's bringing them realizations that they never even, the connections are not there until we make them happen for them. And so that, that idea is, is it, it's exactly what I do all the time. It's lovely. Thank you. This is beautiful. I think my personal experience has been, you know, when you're sitting in the seat of, of a security role, and, and I don't care if that's, you know, you're a, a SOC analyst or you're at the CISO, you are in one of the few positions in your company that has visibility so broad ranging, like you see how operations flow through the company and you have that opportunity to look at, at how work happens in your organization from so many different perspectives that a lot of other business leaders do not have, right? Like the sales team is highly tied into the sales part of the organization. Dev is tied into dev. But as a security practitioner, you you have to be a part of everything. 
because everything is data. Everything has to be secured. And so why not leverage that position as an opportunity to build those relationships? And now all of a sudden you become the go-to to help build relationships across other silos and everyone's best friends, or at least that's, you know, that's what we all hope for. <laughs> yeah, we had Jeff Pollard on last week from Forrester in, in the conversation was why the CISO should report to the CEO. And this is one of the points, right? If you report to the CEO, it kind of forces you to communicate and work with the rest of the executive team across the board. And, and this is your opportunity to open up communication channels, have these conversations, understand the business and how it operates, where if you're reporting not to the CEO directly, you kind of get you're out of position, right? You're kind of siloed away where it makes it harder to actually have these conversations as the CISO and really understand what the business is actually doing. I think that's a challenge for a lot of CISOs based on their reporting structure alone. I actually really loved that episode. I sent it to like three different people. I was like, you need to listen to this because we, we have that conversation all the time about where does the CISO fall? Um, it... If you have the technical stuff under control for automating your visibility, automating your patching, you know, automating your detection, doing some of your summons and SOAR workflows for the actual addressing of, of issues in your environment, and then you've added in this element of culture building, trust building, communication, and, and sort of allying yourself to everyone else in the organization as a facilitator of productivity, uh, I think that's to get to what, you know, Josh's point was that's the way you get towards the overarching security utopia uh, of being able to detect change faster. Because if there's a gap in your technology, the human can bring it to you. Mm -hmm. Yes, the human element. Yes. Seriously. The one we always forget about. I, yes. <laughs> Melissa, thank you so much for joining us on Business Security Weekly. Been an absolute pleasure. To learn how to do security or to learn more about Tanium, please visit securityweekly.com forward slash Tanium. We're going to take a quick break and then cover the leadership and communications articles for this week.